Welcome to, to the B-List, where we talk about everything we love to hate and everything that we hate to love. I'm Tara. I'm Courtney. And today, we're going to talk about ladies who kill. Yeah. I have uh, my... <laughs> when I write my notes, I always write like a little title on it. Uh-huh. It's like, lady killers, female serial killers. Oh, you go further I just than put I do. lady killers, and I was like, no, but that means that they're killing ladies. And we're not doing that. We're doing the opposite of that. The so. opposite of that, yeah. I feel like this is a good transition from, like, the last recording, because, like, the past couple have been, like, kind of, not man bashy, but, like, right. you know, like, talking about red flags and fuck boys and all that uh-huh. stuff. Like, this is a nice, like, uh... And damn it, women can be just as brutal. Women we can, can do just anything. just brutal. Women, we're, we need to take... It's equal opportunity. Anything you can do, we can do better. Yes. And, <laughs> and boy, did our ladies really do a lot better than some they of the did. men. They did some of the things, man. Um, you know, one of the things, too, whenever I was reading on some of the most prolific killers, yeah, I, there were, you know, acts of violence, but most of them were, were you know, poison. Was yeah, there... I think I read somewhere that, like, when it's a poisoning, usually it's women. Yeah. Because, like, we don't want to do the dirty work. We just want to, like... Right. I'm giving you this drink. Whatever happens to you afterwards is... Right. <laughs> not my fault. Right, right. Absolutely. Thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and one of the ones that I'll talk about uh, actually was kind of like that, too. Um, but do you want to get started or you want to... Um. Yeah, I can get started. Go for um, it. My, this is probably the easiest, I wouldn't say they're easy because people lost their lives, but like, Mm -hmm. um, the most lighthearted one, I will say that I picked, um, it happened because I'd watched like an old episode of Deadly Women Mm -hmm. and she was on Deadly Women. That's how one of mine was too. Her name is Juana Barraza. Barraza? Juana Barraza. Um, she was dubbed La, bear with me, I'm very white, I'm going to try and pronounce this because she's from Mexico, Mm -hmm. um, Mata Viedhita? I don't know. She was the old lady killer, basically. The old lady killer, okay. That's what that means. That's what it translates to. Um, She was born in December of 1957. She was born in Hidalgo, which is outside of Mexico City. It's like a rural area. Um, Her mother, this is very important, her mother was an alcoholic who once exchanged her for three beers to a man who raped her and abused her and ended up being the father of her oldest son. Okay. So that's what starts the cycle. That's what starts the cycle. Um, I want to say she was pretty young, too, when it happened, Mm -hmm. obviously. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, didn't, like, Manson... Didn't that happen to Manson, too? Like, his mom sold him off for a pitcher of beer or something? Something like that, yeah. Something like that. Like, can we not sell our children for alcohol? Like, can we maybe I mean, at least, that? you know, maybe a harder drug. Maybe, <laughs> maybe like, liquor. Like, Eight ball of coke beer? or something? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, you can go to the... You can spend ten bucks on beer. Yeah. Um, before her arrest, though, she was a professional wrestler in Mexico. Oh. And, yeah, she was really into uh, the La Luchadors, like the ones that wear yeah. the mask. Yeah, She was super into that. And her ring name was La Dama de Silencio, which is like the Lady of Silence, which is kind of... I don't know if she picked it knowing she was going to be a murderer, but yeah, it's kind of ominous. Yeah. Um, all of her victims were women who were 60 or older. Uh-huh. And usually they lived on financial... Usually they lived by themselves and, you know, they had, like, government assistance. They weren't, like, rich women. Yeah. And she would bludgeon and strangle them and then rob them. Uh-huh. And she even confessed afterwards when it found out that, like, when they arrested her, like, during her interviews, she said it was because she had, like, a hatred of her mother. And she was, like, using this as an act to get back at right. her. Right. You know? Right. Which happens a lot, I feel like, with people. Um, yeah, she'd take all her rage out on them. So she was finally caught after Jan- January 2006. Like, in the, in the, in the Snapped episode, not Snapped. Deadly Women episode, it makes it seem like it was, like, a long time ago. But in 2006 is when she was caught. Yeah. Um, after a suspect was seen fleeing the home of the last victim, whose name was Ana Maria de los Reyes Alfaro. She was 82, and she had been strangled by a stethoscope. Good grief. And someone saw her leaving, and then the police caught her. Because they saw they thought it was either a man or two men that were committing these crimes. Yeah. Because they always think it's a man. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, they were expecting it to be a man. And so on March 31st, 2008, she was found guilty on, on 16 charges of murder and bar- burglary and, ar- like, ugh, 
aggravated burglary. I don't know what I put there. That's a typo. <laughs> and she was sentenced to 759 years in prison. So, oh. so life. She's probably not getting out. So, yeah. And she's still alive now. I believe so. Because I yes. think that there was one that... I don't think that I don't think the one that I picked, but there was there was a couple that I read that they committed suicide soon after. Yeah, no, she's still in jail. I think she's just okay. Yeah, okay. I think once she was caught, she now did she? Like... No, did she do all this in Mexico? Yep. It okay, it was Mexico. all in Mexico. Yeah, because like, and she had kids. She had four kids, so like, she would. I think it was four kids that she had. So yeah, she was a single mother and wrestling on the side and which seems lucrative to... in itself <laughs> just be a wrestler just be a wrestler and apparently she was like a badass like she, everyone's like she was good yeah so i think you can find like youtube videos and stuff of her wrestling yeah i think you can see like oh that's cool no i've got another one from outside the united states too okay. uh it's uh irena she's russian so <laughs> irena the russian i'm so sorry if we have any russian fans out there irena Guy to my chuck, guy, guy, guy to something like that. Um, but she Sounds was like dubbed. You have a guy you're gonna chuck. Maybe. Guy I'm gonna chuck. I'm gonna chuck a guy. Okay. Dubbed Satan in a skirt is what her name translated That's really out badass, to. Though. Yeah. Um, she was convicted of murdering 17 elderly women. I know time like women either like they kill the elderly or they kill babies or, or babies sick people. that's what i was gonna say is that yeah it's it's always the weakest of it and it's not we forgot to say trigger warning oh, um, yeah. <laughs> this is a serial killer episode so if you don't want to hear about murders then maybe skip to a different episode. yeah but you know I'll, I'll probably title this as such so if uh you're in here like a little warning listening yeah i'll put a little i mean you warning on the yeah yeah but um irena as i'll call her here um mm -hmm. she was had turned to alcohol like at a very young age and she married young and had two kids with her husband um i think that she was only like 16 maybe at the time mm -hmm. or maybe 19 I, I didn't write that part down but she was very young whenever she did marry but um her husband wouldn't give her an allowance or give her any money because he was always afraid that she turned back to drinking mm -hmm. especially after their kids were born so he would never give her money and um she was really active with like her kids schooling and pta and all that kind of stuff i mean like a model member of society yeah. people said that she was sweet she would do anything for you but what she would do is she would find an elderly target all women mm -hmm. for them uh, as far as we know and she would stalk them and she would see if they live with anybody when they got their pension checks whenever uh relatives would come by to visit she mm -hmm. would try to work out a schedule with each of these these women and then she would pose as a social worker and to gain entry into their homes yep. like oh you know yeah i'm with the state i'm with the kind you know I'm, I'm federal or whatever this is in russia so i don't really know what the terminology is yeah but um yeah so um she would gain entry into their homes and then she would bludgeon them to death with a hammer or axe which makes this again those poor women like yeah could you imagine that being your last moment? Like I know you've let a social worker into your home and then they bludgeon you to death. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, the police thought they were looking for a man. Yeah. Or a man that was dressed as a woman. It's very gaining like entry. Ramirez y, you know? Like, right. So like And the thing is, she would rob them only of whatever cash they had on hand inside their homes. And old people don't have a lot of cash. They don't have a whole Sorry, lot of cash. Just saying it. Like... They said uh police said that she had probably only gained about a thousand a thousand dollars over the course of the murders which were she was active in her murdering from 2002 to 2010. how many murders did she have and she was convicted of murdering 17 but there could have been more in all these cases there always could be more um so when like i said they were looking for a man and um having said that she'd only gained about a thousand dollars over these what six years that she did this some of these murders, she she took as little as twenty dollars from them, you know. Twenty dollars losing their life over the twenty dollars that they had in That's their just purse. Ridiculous. Not that you can put a price on it, but like it's a damn sight more than twenty dollars. Well, yeah, yeah. It would be one thing to. You I know, would never if, kill anybody, but if I am forced to murder someone, it better not be for twenty dollars. Yeah, 
Yeah. And so um, they were looking for a man because they didn't think that a woman could do this oh, brutal, no brutal acts. And so um, one her her victims actually managed to escape before she was killed. And that's whenever police found out that it's a woman, it's a born woman that's doing these, yeah. these heinous acts. Right. And so um, they ended up arresting the wrong woman, a woman by the name of Irina Valaveya. No, Valayeva. Valayeva. That's how it looks anyway. Um, and they berated her and did all of their fancy schmancy stuff and extracted a false confession from this woman. And I think that the only link that they had was that they had the same first name and, but she was entirely, entirely innocent, innocent. But then they started interviewing the people around these murders and everything. They ended up interviewing like 3000 people before they were actually able to apprehend her and they just like pulled all the arenas and got them all into right. an arena. Yeah. An arena of arenas. <laughs> Irina Arena. Arena Arena. <laughs> um, and then whenever she found that they were going to be um closing in on her, she changed her tactic. She didn't pose as a social worker anymore. She posed as like an interior designer. So what little old lady needs an interior designer? I know. I'm sorry. They have the same couch from like 1984 and they right. not one. And it's covered in plastic, so that's still good. It's still, it's so, still fresh. I know, it's still fresh. It's fresh. It's locked in. And so um, her final victor, uh, victor, victor, her final victim, let me rephrase that. Um, she was an 81-year-old woman. Um, she was posing as a decorator, of course. Uh, police followed descriptions from neighbors about this this tradesmen that had been working in this victim's house and that's how they actually that's the thing too her. usually older people live in the same community so it's like they got nothing but time to stare out their window yeah and this and all happened in the same area saw a car that i didn't recognize i saw like even mm -hmm. my parents who live like two blocks away from me will be like who was at your house last night i saw a car there yeah like, yeah old people can't mind their business i know my poor Thank mother God old people can't mind their business my poor mother lives across the street from my grandmother and my grandmother is always called who's over at your house who's i don't yeah i don't know mom it's somebody just parked their car in front of the house they're not in my house oh okay well let me know let me know if you need me right, right. You know? yeah. so um her youngest victim was 61 her oldest was 89 years old that's crazy. I have a little old lady that comes to me once a week and she started bringing her little elderly friend with her. Mm -hmm. And so she's the able-bodied one and her little elderly friend, she's 82 and the lady she's bringing is her old neighbor. So mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know how old she is, but she uses a walker and she like, she can't even stand upright. Like yeah. she's, how could you murder someone who can't like, they're so defenseless. They're so they defenseless. Even... Yeah. But they always look at themselves as like, the lions, you know, hunting the weakest prey, you know, the right. thick animals, easy, the young clean animals. Pick, clean picking. You yeah, pick them off yeah so the slowest one of the bunch you go get. Um, her husband, who she was married to for 14 years, said, I lived with her for 14 years, but never suspected a thing. And then she confessed whenever they caught her. She confessed and said, I did it for the money. I just wanted to be a normal mom, but I had a craving for drink. My husband, Yuri, wouldn't give me money for vodka. Thanks a lot, Yuri. You couldn't give her $20 so, for some vodka? Here's the kicker of the whole thing. 17 murders and one attempted murder. Mm -hmm. In June 2012, she was only given 20 years. Mm -hmm. And that was reduced from, 25, from the 25-year minimum because the judge had mercy on her because she was a mother. So she had five years taken off the minimum sentence for that. She only got 20 years. And I think that she's still serving to this day, but she'll get out in her lifetime. And she murdered 17 women. Hold your grandma's close if you live in Russia, man. No like... kidding. It could happen here, though. It's happened here. Oh, it does. It's just it's just so sad. Especially when they have, like... Because I'm always on the fence about the death penalty, but, like, if they have proof you did this uh, yeah you're not getting out of jail i know stay and in jail i there's something so severely broken about these people too that it's like maybe we should send them back to their maker like, yeah, <laughs> you know like, it's like this one's defective this one's defective send it back send but it back. Yes. i digress though yeah, there is like too many other, that's yeah there's too many innocent about. on on death row that i can't really say it's the 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 end justifies the means but right. 
like you said, that's another episode. So. Another episode. Um, so my next one is inspired by the fact that I'm going to New Orleans this summer. And so you can't talk about Lady Serial Killers without talking about Madame Delphine Lalaurie. Yes. Um, who was famously played by Kathy Bates on American Horror Story Season 2 of yes. Heaven. She did an excellent job, as she always does. So shout out to Kathy Bates if you're listening. Be my best friend. Um, <laughs> out with the old. <laughs> I can't compete with Kathy Bates. Okay, so Delphine was born in New Orleans in 1787. So this is taking it way back. Taking it back. Taking it back. And a pretty well-to-do family. They were pretty prominent in their town. Um, European Creole community. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I love the accents. I think I do so, too. I'm like, I know you're from America, but just talk to me for a little bit. I know. Bit, you know? I'm going to be so excited. Um... So in 1800, she was married to her first husband, who was a high-ranking Spanish royal official. His name, God help me, uh, mm-hmm. Don Ramon de Lopez y Angulo. And in 1804, he was called back to Spain. So they were en route to go back to Spain, and he died suddenly in Havana. And a few days later, she gave birth to her daughter. That's got to be, because, like... That's, that's traumatic. That's not like you're going on a cruise. Right. Like, it's probably a rough trip. Anyways. Right. Yeah. And gave birth to her daughter, whose name is Marie Borgia Delphine Lopez y Angelo de la Cadelaria. They called her Borquita. So okay, okay, we'll stick with that. Then she returned back to New Orleans with her daughter. In 1808, just a few years later, she remarried, had four more children with this guy. I didn't even write down his name because there was very, didn't say a whole lot. Yeah. They were married from 1808 to 1816 when he died. Okay. So far, none of these deaths are her fault. Mm-hmm. She lived a rough go of it. So you're kind of in her favor at that point because you're like, man, she just can't catch a break, you mm-hmm. know? Then in 1825, she remarried again to a vis- physician who was much younger than she was named Leonard Louis Nicholas Lalori. Okay. Um, between the years of 1831 and 1834, there was documented from, um, like, funeral documentation mm-hmm. um, that 12 slaves had died in her care okay Oof. okay so that's like three years mm-hmm. 12 people in three years mm-hmm. and her ill treatment of her slaves was pretty well known it was like a well-known dirty secret no one talked about it but everyone kind of knew that she was whipping and beating them and they were described as looking haggard and tired mm-hmm. like the slave not that you should ever own slaves mm-hmm. that's a horrible thing let's mm-hmm. not do that but like you know like maybe don't treat them that well like that. and in April 1834, a fire broke out at her mansion, and when the police and the fire marshal- marshals got there, they found a 70-year-old cook chained to the stove by her ankle. Good grief. And she admitted that Ugh. the fire was her fault. She was trying to commit suicide because she knew that slaves were taken to the top floor and none of them ever came down. And so to stop the beatings, to stop getting treated bad, she set this fire. Uh-huh. And the Lorries refused to... Uh, give them the keys so bystanders and stuff had to beat down the doors to get down they're like because they want to know what's upstairs right like this is what's happening and they go upstairs and they found trigger warning seven slaves more or less more or less um that i take it they couldn't mutilated they were suspended by their necks with their limbs stretched and torn off oh my goodness from one extremity to the other um that piece of shit their family fled to paris to avoid Right. Getting in trouble. And she stayed there in exile until her death in 1842 or 1849. There's a lot of, like, yeah, the records, when she died. The records um, aren't always. But she wanted many times to come back to New Orleans. She just thought that she could just come back. And her family talked her out of going back. So she was never... Never put, punished. Never punished. Never no. never went to trial. No, but her oh, mansion's still there. They have, like, tours and stuff, and you can go and see it in New Orleans. And before I was doing all the research on it, I really wanted to go. But now I'm like, God, that's so tacky. Like, people died there. Like, uh-huh. but what a piece of shit. I didn't know that she was not held accountable for it. I didn't know. Because, you know, in like, in American Horror Story, she's like, obviously decapitated, comes back to life and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. Like, as a witch or something. But I'm like, God almighty. Like. Yeah. Apparently. I mean, her family had to have known what she was doing. You would think that they would. It's in the same house. Yeah. You would think they would. God, I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. Just the atrocities that happened. These poor slaves. I mean, they didn't deserve anything they ever got in line. No. They didn't deserve any of that. No. And then to have some monster here 
There was one article that I was reading about how, like, she did let a couple of her slaves go. I just skipped right over that because, like, that doesn't make up for the fact that she freaking tortured that she and murdered people. Tortured and murdered. Oh, my yeah. gosh. That's just yeah. amazing. And how many How many in all did they say that they found? Was seven? Seven were found. More or less. Yeah. Then the slave woman who was chained. chained to the stove who had been beaten. And then before that, 12 slaves had died in her care before... Of course, yeah. This is before you that. had anybody going out and so, bounty yeah. hunting or. And they're anything not like looking. That. Yeah, they're not looking for like once she's gone, you can't once really. She, yeah, especially out of the country like that. Like, even if you write a letter, it's going to take like ninety years for it to get over there. Oh, so. there's a there's a special place in hell where they're burning. Oh, I'm for sure. I'm so for sure. convinced that these people are all. Oh yes. They have to be. If there is a god in this world, <laughs> there these people have to be suffering. Yeah, now. If there's they some have kind to. of something out there. Then yeah, she's definitely getting the short end of that stick. Oh, I hope so. Well, that brings me to this is this is one that happened back in the 1800s as well. Mm -hmm. Amelia Elizabeth Dyer. This happened in England um, and she was active with her murders from 1880 to 1896. And again, praying on the week, um, she uh, was dubbed the Reading Baby Farmer because she was near the town of Reading or Reading. I don't know how they pronounce it overseas, but I, I, I'll say the Reading Baby Farmer. Um, and she, this one is one of those that she came from a normal kind of upper class, upper middle class family. Her father was a shoemaker, uh, successful. Um, they, she was not impoverished or anything growing up. But um, as her mother was aging, she caught typhus. And mm -hmm. as a result of that, she had mental uh, issues mm -hmm. and became very mentally ill. And uh, Amelia had to take care of her in, in the last years of her life. And because of because of these emotional issues that she had, she was prone to violent outbursts, which was probably what triggered Amelia Dyer's own mental illnesses as well. Yeah, um, I can see that's probably going to be really difficult to take care of. And this one, you know, is a little bit touchier because it wasn't... She, her mother didn't start out that way, but as a result of a very serious fever, right? You know, it's, she had brain damage, and so it, it she was prone to these outbursts. So once her once her mother had passed, um, and her and her father ended up passing, she um, got married. And then became a nurse for a few years, but she was working very closely like with like midwives, which were way more popular at the at the time. Right, that's what she did back then. Right, and then she realized that she could make more money using her home as a business, as some of these midwives did. Mm -hmm. So she also learned from these midwives that young unwed mothers of the time, because this is the Victorian era, they were at a, an extreme disadvantage with finding work, finding childcare, finding lodging. Because the stigma of having a baby out of wedlock yeah. was you you couldn't even talk about it. And right, so, you were like a fallen woman. Yeah, like, you were a fallen woman. You couldn't find a man. You couldn't find a job. Mm -hmm. You couldn't find anything. Many of them were banished from their families. Mm -hmm. um, deadbeat dads out of the picture. I mean, as soon oh, as they yeah. find out. Like, if you're pregnant, that's your problem. That's, that's your problem. problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to marry you. You're a lower class. Right. So um, what she would do was she would offer up her home as a foster to these unplanned babies by taking out advertisements in the newspaper. And I had read at one point too, that she would pose as a couple looking for a baby. Yeah. And then when they would answer the ad, they would say, well, that couple is no longer available to adopt, but I know several more couples that are. So if you pay bring me, me your baby, bring me your baby, pay me. And she would charge anywhere from five to eighty pounds, which was big money back in the late eighteen hundreds. So these women are basically paying for her to murder their baby. Right. Basically, that's what happened. Um, most mothers did it in secrecy because they couldn't even let the world oh, society know. They probably don't want to, but they, they don't want choice. to. They don't have a choice. They're pushed in by their parents, pushed in by family. Yeah. So they, uh, she would add, tell them. I'll find a loving home. So many couples are looking to adopt. But what she would really do was drug the babies with narcotics, keep them drowsy, keep them asleep, and then she'd starve them to death. Oh my God. That was how she started out. Uh, limited forensics at the time would deem the deaths as a failure to thrive. Oh, hell is too good because, for yeah, people like this. I know, like, right? Fucking seriously. So uh, because it, that, you know, SIDS wasn't, wasn't understood at the time failure right. to thrive was a big thing and they couldn't do 
you know, like, oh, the baby just autopsies were so, yeah, autopsies were so. You're not going to go through giving an autopsy to a small baby who, like, it probably just, you know, died in its sleep. That's what it looked like, is that it just quit breathing. And so, um, so after too many deaths, she was arrested, but convicted of neglect and sentenced to only six months hard labor. No, put her in prison. Right. Because what they were thinking is that she was just being neglectful and not... No, put her baby at, baby killing ass in prison and see right. what they do to her there. Right. And then when she was done with her six months hard labor, she went back to baby farming and murdering these babies. Wow. And by this time, she graduated from drugging them to strangling them with tape. And then she would box them up and then throw them in the Thames River. So one of the parcels that she dumped... She had wrapped in a parcel paper, but it had her address on it. So that's, Good. yeah. Good. So that's when she was caught is that uh, somebody discovered this parcel in the river and then her address and then the police caught her at that point. Then they dragged the river and found more infant bodies and they... And they were all wrapped up. Probably they were all the wrapped up the just others. the same. Um, and one of the bodies that they found had just been placed in her care 11 days earlier and the birth mother had to come back and identify the remains to show that it was that. Yeah, it was. Um, they found six or seven babies. Uh, the different sources said different you things. You think you found someone who's going to take care of your baby so you mm-hmm. can get your life together. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully you'll get your baby back. Mm-hmm. And this is what happens. And um, yeah, only six or seven babies were found, depending on the source. Ugh. And they were all bound with the same white tape around their necks. And they started identifying the babies, but she's thought to kill anywhere from 100 to 400 babies throughout the 15 years that she ran this grift. Oh, put some and, tape around her um, She's one of the ones that tried to complete suicide twice while she was jailed. No. Waiting for her trial. No. But they caught her and which she... Strap her ass to a chair and let her... She was ex- executed by hanging Good. in 1896. Good. So, hope it was slow. Hope it was painful. I, I hope it was too. I hope she felt every single... every the All the pain. The in the river. All the pain. Um. Yeah. So my last one is pretty much just as bad. I mean, if we're going to go as far as like, who's the worst? Mm-hmm. Um, a little gal named Myra Henley, who she was one of two of the Morse killers from the 1960s. It was her and Ian Brady. Mm-hmm. They were like, they had this whole like natural born killers, like yeah. love fest going on. And um, Bonnie she, and Clyde. Very Bonnie and Clyde. Um, she was born in 1942, raised working class. Her father was an alcoholic and abused his wife's children because that's what she did back in England, you know, or not in England, anywhere, mm-hmm. but like back in the day, you mm-hmm. just like, and he, they lived kind of poor. They didn't have a whole lot of money and her dad taught her how to fight. There's like some famous story of like someone, I guess, was picking on her in school or something like that. And he told her, if you don't beat that kid's ass, I'm going to beat your ass. So she had to go to school and fight this kid and beat him up. Mm-hmm. and her up whoever I don't know. right right um so she was taught to fight she was known to be rough she was known to be like scrappy mm-hmm. and um but very likable people liked her um in 1961 at the age of my phone's going off at the age of 18 while working she met ian brady and they became infatuated with each other and it said <laughs> when i was reading about it um their dates were usually watching x-rated movies then going back to her house where they would drink wine and read about Nazi crimes. Oh, it's healthy. That's a Just great way to live your life. Perfect. That's how you know you found the one. Ugh. That puts um, a sour taste in your mouth. He had the idea originally of wanting to commit the perfect murder, but they kind of got into it together. I am in no way excusing what she did at all because she probably would have turned out to be a piece of shit anyways. Um, but they watched a movie based on other killers, Leopold and Loeb. The mm-hmm. famous case of, like, teenage boys who murdered a kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, They wanted to commit the perfect murder. And yeah. they had seen a movie about it, and they were like, yeah, that sounds like something that we should do. And they that was in, um, I think that was, like, a year, year before or something like that. So they were kind of thinking about it for a while. And in July 1963, they committed their first murder. Um, her name was Pauline Reed, and she attended school with Myra's younger sister, Maureen. And... She was driven to the moors, which is where they committed. It's basically like fields, you know, uh-huh. um, where they would commit most of their crimes. And they raped and nearly decapitated her. Um, she was 
16, I think. And then in November 1963, they offered 12-year-old John Kilbride a ride home, telling him his parents would be worried that he was out so late. And they took him to the moor, sexually assaulted him, tried to slit his throat, and they couldn't quite get the job done, so then they strangled him. Um, in 19, June 1964, so it's like pretty much on a six-month schedule that they're yeah. doing this. June 1964, they asked 12-year-old Keith Bennett to help load boxes into their car. And they went to the moors, sexually assaulted him, and strangled him. What gets to me is that these kids are just trying to help. They're just right. trying to, like, like, hey, come help me real quick. Yeah. And these kids are constantly trying to Because we help. teach our kids, you know, help I have taught. I read that. I, I listened to this on a podcast, and that's what this woman had told her children. So I started telling my boys the same thing. Because, you know, mm -hmm. Corbin's very helpful. Um, I taught my boys that adults never need children's help. Yeah. If you see another that's kid true. that needs help, maybe. But yeah. like an adult does not need your help with anything. Yeah. Just and that's away. that's basically what I was taught to. Which Never... is kind of how I felt about remember how Ted Bundy when he was like at the lake or whatever and he's like asking people to help him with his fucking boat to get it on top yeah. of and all these women are like, I ain't helping you. Like Right, right. Why do you have a broken arm and you're trying to row a boat? Right, right. None of this makes sense. All that silence of the land. I would be the first one to say, Nay, nay, I'm going home. Uh uh. uh, -uh. Um um, so in December of 1964, they asked 10-year-old Leslie Ann Downey for help carrying packages to their car. Um, they took her to their house first. This was kind of different. They took her to their house first, forcibly undressed her, tied her up, and made her take photographs. Oh, sick asshole. And they raped and murdered her and took her to the moors. And in October 1965... Hanley and Brady picked up 17-year-old Edward Evans, took him to their house, strangled him. But this time they messed up because they got Myra's brother-in-law involved. Because mm -hmm. um, they kind of, I don't know why they had this idea that he would want to do it with them. Yeah. But they kind of thought, like, let's bring someone. The more people you bring into your crimes, probably the worse it's going to be for you. Yeah. And he witnessed them, like, basically, this is a 17-year-old boy, so, like, they, he had Just a hard a kid time himself, it. yeah. But they had a harder time of it than, like, a 12-year-old. Yeah. So they're having to, like, wrestle him to the ground. An adult-sized kid. Yeah, he ended up, yeah, they ended up uh, murdering this guy and in front of the brother-in-law, and he testified against them. He was yeah. like, yes, this is what I saw. Like, yeah. Um, Good. Good. Yeah. And... They said that this body is too heavy. Can you go, like, get your baby pram that from your baby? Can like, you carry your baby in? Can you go uh -huh. bring that to us so we can carry this dead body somewhere? And he thought about it, but then he eventually was like, no. And he told his wife, and they ended up going to the police and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he ended up testifying against them. Um, during the investigation, police found photos of them, of their victims, found photos of them. Because they would constantly go back to the moors. Mm -hmm. So, they, like, there's one picture. It's a famous picture of her. Myra Hindley's bent down, looking down at... There's a dead body. It's buried, but, like, she knows where he's buried. So, like, she's just, like, hanging out where, where you she's know, murdered his... A lot of them do that. They go, they back, go back to the scene where they've... Mm -hmm. To spend time with them and... And a particularly damning piece of evidence, because the whole time she was saying she was forced into this by Ian Brady. Oh, of course. She didn't commit any of the murders, but she was there. Uh-huh. Um, but they had uh, a 16-minute audio recording of Leslie Ann Downey being raped and murdered. And Myra And, of Hindley, course, her voice is there. Myra Hendley was very much a part of it, yelling and screaming at this girl. And so, yeah. Um, her and her piece of shit boyfriend were sentenced to life. And he ended up, I think he, I read, read about him and listened to podcasts and stuff. And Ian Brady, like a couple of times he tried to like go on like a hunger strike and the police were like, okay. Like, All right, go ahead. Starve. They wouldn't let him die. Shit. They wouldn't let him die of it, but uh -huh. they like, fine, starve yourself. And then they like intravenously made him be fed and all that right. stuff, put feeding tubes down him and stuff. Um, she still says that like, she didn't really, it was his fault and... There was another couple that's pretty famous. I don't think she's dead yet. I think she's still in jail. Is she still in jail? Yeah. But every time she comes up for, I mean, Leslie and Downey's, her parents are still alive. Like, they constantly like, no, please uh -huh. don't let her. Like, all the victims' families is like, no, no, she's yeah. over there. She's going to die in prison. They're not going to let her out. Yeah. Well, yeah, I hope that she rots. Yeah. And don't even take her body out. Just let her decompose on just, a it's... cobblestone floor for all I care. I just don't like little kids. Like, 
because again, they're the weak ones of they're the, the weak, and they're of just the pack. coming to help, like, and they just want to help, and they look for the good in the world. When you're jaded adults like us, there is no good left. Yeah, you know, with those kids, even they, as an adult, if someone were to ask me for help with something in their car, I would probably say nah. Oh yeah, I wouldn't. I never go in. No, I'm sorry. Never go with anybody who asks for help. Don't. I mean, I I loved you know like Silence of the Lambs and stuff like that growing I, up. Yes. So I already knew. Don't like, get in anybody's van. No. Don't like, go into their house. Suit, you know. Yeah. Like, no, thank you. Yeah. Just make that joke, but it's it happens. It happens, and that's I mean that's just our dark humor though. Is that yeah. because we know it's a possibility that it can happen. It's all right, Cordy. What do you got? For um, oh yeah. So the next one that um, the last one I'll talk about. This is a, a little bit kind of famousy. Um, you actually told me that she had an episode on uh, Netflix, uh, like, roommate, roommate from hell roommate or from hell worst or roommate or ever. Worst roommate ever. Yeah, that's what yeah. it was. And I she, watched it just the other like a few weeks ago. Yeah, she's a uh, she's the uh, first episode of this little mini series that they have on Netflix. But um, her name was uh, Dorothy or Dorothea. 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 Puente, um, and this happened in Sacramento, California, and the years that she was most active was between 1982 and 1988, and I vaguely remember whenever they arrested her and put her on trial. I remember hearing about her in the news, but of course, I was at su I was such a young age at this point I that know, I wasn't... I didn't know anything about her until I saw that roommate thing, but I had listened to one of my podcasts I listened to had done... Uh -huh. Morbid had done an episode about it, and I listened to it, and I was like... Who is this? Yeah, and I, again, I remember... It's very rare that something covered on a true crime podcast that I have not already heard about. <laughs> right, 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 right. And uh, uh, I remember watching her story. I think it was on, like, Deadly Women or, you know, one of those snapped or something. I think it was really? Deadly Women. But it's been a it's been a while since I had seen it, and so that I was glad that you told me that the Netflix yeah because it was it, it really kind of went into depth about uh one of her yeah and for me it had like pictures like pictures of it her had pictures and of her and, and what gets to me is this woman looked like the sweet little old grandma next door she looks like one of the little old ladies who gets murdered in another story she looks like probably one of the victims of the first person I talked about she's the white hair. With the set curl, <laughs> gigantic glasses. And then when I was watching the documentary, uh, I guess it was one of the social workers that had worked with her mm -hmm. said that, well, I was 50 at the time of these murders. And then I was surprised to find out that she was the same age as me. Yeah. She was only, but she was using, she was using her looks because she looked older to be to perceived like a lady. more. Like, I'm frail. I'm not doing anything wrong. I know. And to yeah. think that here I am in my early 40s and thinking she was only like a few years older than right. me looking like that. So I don't feel so sorry about how old I no, look we these look, days. We look just fine. We look fine. We're gorgeous. But uh, anyway, uh, Miss Puente here, she was uh, orphaned just before the age of 10. So she spent time in orphanage situations and extended family so life started out pretty rough for her of course never an excuse because i've known people who have had horrible lives that turn out to be you know they always like have that argument with nature versus nurture but like you just never know i know i it know just... plenty of people who had shitty childhoods who grew up to be great people yeah wonderful people but then again people thought this of her she thought she was a grandma that mm -hmm. that was just helping people out now she was married at 16 to uh fred mcfall i guess mcfall yeah that's what i'm gonna go with um but he left her after two years and so she lied and said he died of a heart attack so she was she was already a widow at like 18 19 years old and they had two children but she adopted those out she sent one with family members and then one she put into the adoption system, so she didn't have any well, kids from that. Fine. Hopefully, they I hopefully fine and away from her. Yeah, and then so she started forging checks for money after he passed, or after he left. He didn't actually pass. After he left, she started forging checks, but she was caught and ended up serving a year sentence, but was released after six months mm -hmm. of the because it was a nonviolent crime. They usually well, let right. you out a little early. Yeah. And then so a couple of years later, she remarried an Axel Johansson. He was a Swedish man, I believe. And they were married for 14 years. That's a pretty cool name. Yeah, Axel, Axel Johansson. Johansson. I know. It almost sounds like like a porn name. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so anyways, they uh, during the time that they were married, she was arrested 
for owning and managing and participating in a brothel. So she ended up doing another 90 days in the clink. You know, I don't think brothels are bad. I don't think that they are either. Well, and you're treating your girls good. And I don't know the details of how it was run. I just know that it was illegal. In general. In general. Yeah. No, no, I'm not either. Um, I've talked about that before. I think that yeah, we've talked about it should that be legal. Yeah, but uh, soon after, but not for her, right? But not for her. Uh, soon after she got out of her ninety-day stint, uh, she found work as a nurse's aide, caring for the elderly. No. And then she also, during this time, would start managing boarding houses that other people owned. Uh, so she honed in on kind of combining those two as a profession yeah so she already knew how to Which, care for if the it elderly wasn't her would be a great profession would be great um so um after she divorced axel she remarried another man roberto puente who was almost 19 years her junior he was 21 years old and she was 39 and okay. there, I couldn't find a whole because I was like, I want to hear more about this. I right. didn't really find out a whole lot about their marriage. Well, he probably figured it out, but well, yeah, she the marriage only lasted about two years, and that's when she acquired a three story, 16 room boarding house in Sacramento. After her, after that marriage ended, like I said, after only two years, she married again a violent alcoholic named Pedro Montalvo. Montalvo. Maybe. Maybe just stop getting married. Well, they were only married for a few months. So that's whenever she couldn't depend on a man to feed her. So she started trolling bars looking for retirees that had pensions or were on Social Security, disability, whatever. Mm -hmm. And she was caught and charged with 34 counts of forgery at this point. And then... Stop writing bad checks. But she didn't go back to jail because she wasn't on probation or anything like that so they put her on probation and then she continued her grift while she was on probation so she didn't learn anything so clearly no one's checking on so her nobody's really checking on her so um her first murder actually didn't happen at the boarding house it was her business partner ruth monroe uh who she i think owned a bar with yeah, or a lounge or something like that yeah yeah um and um, I, I didn't find any of this information online. I actually got this from the documentary. The documentary. So um, they're going to be the son or something, right? Yeah, they? the yeah. son was there, and um, she died of an overdose of codeine, but it was ruled a suicide because Dorothea said that she had been really depressed because she found out that her husband was terminally ill, and so she got away with that murder because yeah, it it, it looked, looked like a suicide. Yeah. So that was her first murder. But then a few weeks later, a 74-year-old a, a pensioner she was renting to said that he believed that she was drugging him and stealing from him. And so she, they went and checked on it and found out that she was depositing his checks and all of that stuff, stealing his medication. Like, dude, don't steal from people who cannot afford to give you... Not don't steal from uh -huh. anyone, but definitely don't steal from people who cannot afford... To lose that money. And I, know? yeah. Like, and then I believe that because she was still on probation at the time, she went, she was, she was sentenced back to prison for five years, but she only served three years of it. Like, no, make people so, do their whole sentences because that could have saved. That could have saved, yeah, saved anything. Saved lives, you know? Yeah, any. So, um, soon after she was released, she started renting out of space again mm -hmm. and taking the disability and pension payments from her tenants. They were all either... Uh, mentally ill, on disability, or elderly and retired, on Social Security and, and pensions. Mm -hmm. um, she uh, sh she didn't kill all of them. Some of them would, would, would actually pass naturally or move in with a family member once it got too difficult to take care of them. You know what's crazy is that my grandma, before she passed away, like when I was growing up in high school and stuff like that, she ran... She helped run a veteran's home that had, I mean, there were probably like maybe five to ten guys mm -hmm. living in this home and took care of them. And I could not imagine my grandma, like, yeah. lifting people and killing them. Like, yeah, you know, she would like... Your grandma make, was a good lady. She would make them their own special desserts when they wanted, like, you know, she yeah. bought this one, this flavor pudding, because that's what he liked, and bought this one, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
Like, I can't imagine. Because, you know, they're depending on you for everything. They can't right. take care of themselves. Well, and a lot of times, too, because this was a boarding house, that social workers actually would would recommend to some of these people because with her. they yes. would basically and they even do this now in, in some in nursing homes and retirement communities is that you basically your social security your pension goes directly to them for all of your needs yeah and then so they give you money they, for whatever you they need. give you your money yeah. they give you your medications they pay for doctor's appointments they feed you i mean that's what it was that's what my grandma had done like she would give them each like basically an allowance every week to go you mm -hmm. know they'd run down to the corner store and buy candy bars or whatever right there was right old man who'd go down and buy like porn yeah <laughs> she's like i am not taking you to do that but if you want to go you here can lose your money here you go yeah and so um she they were estimating that she was making about five thousand dollars a month from mm -hmm. from tenants coming in and signing over their checks and then people started to complain that she wasn't feeding them well enough that she yeah, was they not, get you get greedy yeah and she wasn't giving them their money to live on she was just taking their checks and signing because she was she had I, I don't not really power of attorney but she had authorization to sign the checks over to herself mm -hmm. she would do so um and so uh at one point after she started killing and her mo again was to give them an overdose of sleeping pills and smother them because it's easy because it looks like a natural death at yep. that point um at one point she had had her handyman that she had hired um ismael flores who was he was working for her she said why don't you build me a box a wooden box oh about six foot by three foot and I need to store some old books and junk. If someone asks you to build a box the size of a person, uh, nope. The size of a, yeah, nope. of a coffin. I'm just going to go tell the police about this box you want built. Right. But he said, but he said he believed her because she says, oh, it's old books and things that I don't want to get too wet. So if you could build me this box, I'll fill it and then I'll go with you to put it in my storage unit. So he says, okay. So he builds it. She fills it, nails it shut. And then helps her carry it to her storage facility. But on the way to the storage facility, she said, you know what? I don't want this stuff after all. So she has him pull over to a river in the middle of nowhere where there's like, you know, those little unofficial dumping sites for, yeah. you know, where you find spare tires and mm -hmm. old clothes and all that stuff. He just, she just said, I don't need this stuff after all. Let's dump it here. Again, I would question, you made me build this box. You made me build a coffin. And now you want me to with dump your dirty it. old books. Now you don't want them anymore, and you're gonna go dump them. Mm -hmm. After, no, I'm gonna need you to pop that open right. so I can see what's in there. And it actually contained the remains of Epperson Gilmouth. was a was a man that was that she had connected with that was considered her lover at the time, uh, but she was taking his pension checks. So um, his remains were unidentified for three years. I After like, they were found. So, like, all these pension checks, things from the government, things from different, you know, like, organizations or whatever, and they're giving the checks out. It seems like every once in a while, it would just be good business mm -hmm. to check and make sure that person's still alive. Mm -hmm. Well, people would people would call their family members and she would say, oh, they're too sick to talk to, the, talk to you right now. They can't come to the phone, but I promise you. Then I would come and see them. Yeah. Okay, if they're too, so sick, I want to come see. But that's just it, though. We love our families. A lot of these, a lot of these people I mean, didn't have anybody. It's just like, even like, you know, you're getting your pension from whatever, you know, worked for 50 years at the same place and you're getting a pension from them. Like, I don't want to keep paying you if you're dead, so mm -hmm. I'm going to keep, I'm going to check on you. Right. I'm definitely not sending you more money if you're dead. Exactly. You know? But, you know, but a lot of these pensions, too, like, my dad had a pension, and whenever he passed away, it transferred over to my mom because she was the benefactor in his will. So, it's... What I'm hearing is your mom killed your dad for the money. <laughs> and she used <laughs> pancreatic cancer to get there. <laughs> That's sly. Mom, I'm on to you, Mom. We're so. on to you, Peggy. So sorry. Joking about your dad's cancer. It's not funny. Oh, that's okay. He would have joked about loved, it, too. He would have loved it. She she knew my dad. He's He, he, he had a dark sense of humor just like we did. That's where I got it. So, but, okay. So she does this for a couple of years. She takes in, and they talk about this this particular man. He was a younger man, mm -hmm. not as elderly as everyone else that she uh, was burying at this point. Um, I, I believe his name was Al Alvaro Montoya, but they called him Bert. He was a schizophrenic was he the man. Big tall guy. Tall guy. I saw, yeah, because I watched that. Yeah, episode, he yeah. he was always a little scruffy. He looked like a little sweetheart. He did. He he was schizophrenic. Like a giant 
teddy bear. Mm -hmm. And um, he was really tired of living in mental facilities and really wanted to get his life going. So a social worker placed him in this house because she would take all of the hard cases, the ones that were severely mentally no ill, wanted. nobody wanted, or elderly and their palliative care was just too much for people, or they would even be violent, you know, whenever you get some you of those, those mental yeah. health or Alzheimer's or all that, it, they tend to get a little angry, a little mad. She said, no problem, oh, I'll take them yeah, all. No problem, I'll just drug them and kill them. So they place Bert um, Montoya here, they replaced him with her and uh the social worker did come by and check on him from time to time and then he suddenly wasn't there and so uh did she say he was traveling or something she stupid? said that he like... went he went to go visit family in mexico i believe or went on a trip to mexico something like that he'd be back any day now or he'll be back on this date and she even went so far whenever they were coming in to find these individuals who started missing she would put on her calendar, you know, Bert went to Mexico and then Bert due back from Mexico on her calendar. So when the social workers and police would come in and see that, they would say, you know, she wrote it down, you know, it, and it was just like little details she didn't leave out. That's how you get away with murder. That's just how she gets just make be real, a calendar. Just make a calendar. See, I, I couldn't have done it because I was getting my hair done that day. Preston will be back on Friday. <laughs> right. <laughs> I promise. I promise he will I be. I swear. I swear he will be. So, uh, whenever they went to go check on him, um, and the social worker found that he wasn't there, she went to the police and was like, this isn't right. He Something's would not have wrong. gone to Mexico. Yeah. He's severely mentally disabled if he's he mentally have disabled or he's got mental health stuff going on like how is he getting to mexico right and why wouldn't he go with some sort of chaperone or a friend or a family member to why make sure a phone number of where he's gonna be right like... because this is this is happening in the late 80s so it's not as if you know technology had made 1400 it's you know, yeah like... yeah i mean nobody was carrying cell phones but you would think that there's like an address or something yeah you that would they be could... like okay i'm going to mexico here's the number of my aunt's house i'm gonna be staying right at. exactly Exactly. need to get a hold of me or the hotel or the you know whatever right. so um the social worker tells the police take a look in that backyard because apparently there was some fresh turned soil back there Ooh. and so the police came they looked in all the cloth they were looking anywhere for anything and then they said okay and and she gave them all permission. Permission. She was like, yeah, go check everything out. And then they said, we need to dig in your backyard. Do we have your permission? She's like, well, you're not going to find anything, but go on and do that. And so they started cocky. to dig She's up. She's cocky. She's cocky. She probably was trying to bluff them so they'd go, ah, oh, we don't need to go out there. But uh, the social worker, actually, before she contacted police, she asked another member, an elderly member of the house, you know, is everything going on out here? And he's like, no, people are disappearing. And I'm pretty sure that she's burying them because she's digging a whole lot of holes in the backyard. And that's whenever the social worker was like, yeah, you need to yeah. dig up the backyard. And so when they did, they actually ended up finding another body, the body of a 78-year-old woman, Leona Carpenter. And uh, I believe that they... Though in the documentary, you, you guys got to watch this. In the documentary, they say that um, they started pulling out what they thought was leather because it was kind of <gasps> oh, like beef jerky. Oh, I saw that. Yes. And then they pulled hard on a bone and then realized it was human femur and it wasn't leather that they were it pulling was, out. Yeah. It was actually tissue. tissue. So, yeah, they, they were like, well, let's keep digging after they found her. Oh, yeah, her. we're going to tear this entire fucking yard up. Uh-huh. And they ended up finding a total of seven bodies on her property alone. So, uh, and apparently she would hire convicts that were looking for day work to dig the holes, pay them to keep their mouth shut, and then they would move on. And then she'd right. cover them back up. So... Yeah, they really don't know exactly what her body count was, but her trial began in 92 um, and ended, uh, it went on an entire year. She was, and she ended up being charged with nine murders total. Mm -hmm. uh, the seven that they found in the backyard and then her business partner from earlier. And I believe uh, the man that she had put in the box by the river, what was his name? Uh, 
uh, Gilmouth, Everson mm-hmm. Gilmouth. Uh, they charged so nine murders in total, but she was only convicted of three because she maintained the whole time that they died naturally. And she just buried them. And then she just buried them because she was on probation still from her last stint in jail, yeah. in prison. So she said that Your she was afraid. cat just moved and scared the ever-loving shit. Oh, she my God. <laughs> my cat is lurking <laughs> above us. <laughs> if you see my eyes bug out of my head during the video, it's because there's a cat up there. My little house tiger. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, she was only convicted of three of them because they could never really prove. The bodies were decomposed to a point where they couldn't yeah. really prove the manner of of death so she got the but she was given two life sentences because of those three murders and she spent her her twilight years in prison she died finally in march of 2011 of natural causes and she was 82 years old which is so not fair she got to live to be 82 and these other people Mm -hmm. didn't get to live like that and it's such I mean, she was going to go away anyways, but it's just not justice for the family, mm-hmm. for them not to, like, I know she killed my loved one. Mm-hmm. They just can't prove it. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's... Did they ever find Bert? I think that Bert might have been one of the ones that was buried in the back. Poor Bert. I don't know. I don't remember if they really ever touched on what happened. I think, I think that Bert was one of the seven that oh, was in I the backyard. Oh, might have been, yeah. One of the ones that were found in the backyard. Yeah, because... But not that anyone should be murdering anybody, but when you bury them in your own backyard going to be real hard to explain that if someone finds it, you know? Right. Like, and you can't say that they all died of natural causes because Bert was a was a fairly younger man compared to the I rest of her. I get that, like, freaking out, you're on probation and someone would die of natural causes, but you run a boarding house for old people. That, that I'm sure, is going to happen mm-hmm. at some point or another. You right. Know? Like... They could even do an autopsy. Oh, yeah, he died of natural causes. Like, mm-hmm. you're, you're good. You're fine. Oh, you yeah, know? yeah. Like, but... It's really hard to explain away that they died of natural causes, but you buried them in the But backyard. here's the thing, though, is that she said, or... or Not that I believe that any of these people died of natural causes. Oh, no, I none totally of them. I totally think she killed them None all. of them did, because there were too many eyewitnesses saying that there was some weird stuff going down. And you know that the reason that she didn't report any of these deaths as natural causes was because she if you didn't report the them, yeah, if you report them dead, then you don't get the checks. Yeah. And she was still running this thing. And then she, I think that she ended up uh, boarding around 40 people in this, in her career. And, but they don't really know how many murders that she committed. Cause there was, there was usually a few more people that, was, that they would consider like throwaway people who don't have a lot of family. They don't have, have a lot like, of family. They were hard cases. That's why the social workers. Yeah. Would give them to her because they didn't have family. Because it's just, oh, they're off my plate. I don't really care what right, happens to them. You know? Right. Which and is so shitty. Like, she played the part so of that grandmother that I'll care for them till their dying day instead of being like, I'll make sure their dying day is next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, but also I'm going to keep their money. But also I won't tell you because yeah. I'm on probation. So, yeah, I, I highly recommend anybody going to see that episode of uh, Worst Roommate Ever. It's the very first episode. Can't I miss mean, it. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on that show because I watched all of them and there are some pretty... It's a crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. Some of those, I watched like, I don't, I don't know if I watched all of them, but I watched like two or three episodes and I was like, thank God I don't have to have a roommate. I know. I, I, I've had a few roommates in my time, but none of them were that horrible. Not like that. None, none were that horrible. Yeah, no, no. So, well, those are our ladies that kill. I guess that we're done for this week. I actually, there's, there's lots more. We can come back and revisit this topic as well. But, you know, I didn't want to talk too many about the heavy hitters like, uh, what's her name? Warnos, or Warnos yeah, and, like the more well-known. The warm, yeah. There's just so many. Like, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you can you can even take it back to like who was it? Elizabeth Bathory, or yeah, yeah, that yeah. Used to bathe in the, bathe in the virgin blood. blood. Yeah. yeah, those are those are really interesting to talk about too. I think that that one might be dead though. She, I don't think that she's still alive. I think she. I think it was like the 1400s off. or yeah, 1600s. I think she's but... probably dead. But yeah, but yeah, you we'll guys, come back. Um, watch out for your old people. Everyone, watch take care out your elderly. Love, love your elders. Give them a call. Give them a call. Stop by and see them. Make sure they're not buried in a backyard somewhere because yeah. that's like it's just crazy. That's yeah. I can't even understand the psyche that could come after people like that. I just I can't. It's that's why that's I why love it's so interesting. Yeah, like. Wh- 
Like, it's not just the acts themselves that's interesting. It's like, but why? But why? What in your brain is so broken that you think that I mean, this I is went, a good idea? I went and got my cosmetology license because I wanted to help people in what little way I could. Yeah, and like Myra Hendley, like, I have fallen for some stupid dudes in my time. Oh, yeah, we all have. Never once when I was like, I would murder for this person. Never. No. Mm-mm. No. There's too much work involved in that. I mean, even that, like, I'm not watching, I'm not yeah. reading about Nazi crimes. No, thanks. No. Well, I mean, I'll that's read about... Good, that's not a good date to me. I'll read about Nazi crimes, but I don't want to talk about it over candlelight. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not thinking that's a good idea for us to go do later. So... Yeah. So you guys, <laughs> so we'll come back. We'll come back again with the same topic. And uh, if you guys have any of your lady killers that you would like us to touch on and discuss, you're more than welcome to drop us a comment, drop us an email. Um, you can now listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, and yeah. um, you know I'll work on getting us on some more platforms too because I understand that there's quite a few out there. So Courtney's keep looking amazing. for She's us. Great at that kind of stuff. I'm really not. It takes me forever <laughs> to navigate. I am really feeling my age whenever it comes to technology. Someone the other day was like telling me that like. Um, they liked all the different like backgrounds and stuff like that. And uh-huh. how do you guys do that? Like, how do you like, I was like, I just talk into the microphone. That <laughs> has nothing to do with me. I show up and have my notes. That's my job. I just have a green Courtney's, piece of cloth behind us. <laughs> Courtney is the brains behind this operation. I'm just uh, the mouth. As much as I hate to admit it, though, I sometimes have to bring in outside help to be like, um, honey, can you show me how to do this? I mean, but, but hey, I figure it out. So figure it out. And I don't have to murder a lot of people yeah. to do it. And we so, do it for you guys. We and we do, do it for you guys. guys. Yeah. So like, subscribe, uh, click comments. the notification, click those notifications, not notifications, notifications, <laughs> click the notifications. Yes. So that way you can, you don't miss an episode. And, and we'll see you next we'll see time. See you next time. Bye, you guys. Bye, Love you guys. Take care of each other. Be safe. Let me call you sweetheart.